We are in a series called Closer, and what we're talking about is this idea that Jesus calls us to follow him. And if you've ever followed anyone, you realize that the closer you follow, the more chance you have of reaching the destination. If you uh, use, like I do, find my iPhone or whatever, it'll give you a general vicinity, and sometimes we just know where Jesus' general vicinity is. Uh, But what he wants is you to partner with him, to be right next to him, to uh, go on this journey with him. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about what happens when the journey is hard. And... uh, I'm going to share my story. I, the last time I shared the entire story was seven years ago in a sermon on this topic. Uh, I don't share it much, not because I'm afraid to share it or whatever, but I realize that I'm in a group, a context of people um, that all have a story. And they don't have the luxury of a microphone and an audience. They just go through their story, usually on their own or with the help of a small group of friends, or what have you. Um, But what I wanted to share was um, the story of me coming into ministry and the events that unfolded in our family when that happened, in order to give you hope. We are in uh, an incredible season right now. Uh, Just getting over a pandemic on how you feel, if we're over it or not, whatever, Um, And then like right when, in our context, California lifts mask mandates, um, countries start invading other countries, right? And so everybody who is all keyed up over masks and vaccines now get to turn their attention to international affairs, and I'm sure you will all work it out through social media. Um, (laughs) What? Was that a joke? No. Okay. I'm just kidding. All right. So... 16 years ago, uh, I was in business uh, at a great company that I loved very dearly. Um, I was the general manager of that company. I'm still friends with all those people I worked with. Um, We had kind of, the career was going great, and uh, we had just put this addition on our house. Many of you know parts of this story, or I've mentioned parts of them in, in sermons, usually not the entire thing. And so uh, we, um, we had put this addition on our house. We doubled the size of our house. We remodeled every room. And uh, I wanted to retire in that house because uh, the neighborhood was diverse, which was really important to me as I raised my children. I wanted them to be in a very diverse neighborhood. Uh, there were young families on our street. We were a young family. And uh, we were going to a really great church um, called Light and Life Christian Fellowship in Long Beach. And um, I loved that church. I loved the Free Methodist denomination, which is the denomination we're a part of. And I, I realized that I really was Free Methodist my whole life. I had just never heard of them before. Um, and that happens a lot when something's so amazing as the Free Methodist Church. Okay, uh, my plug is done. So I got a call from our superintendent, and we're on an appointments committee, uh, appointments uh, polity, which means pastors get appointed to churches. They don't, uh, they, they interview, but they get appointed. And so we got appointed. Uh, God had called me out of business into ministry, and we got appointed here at Living Spring. About two years after that, maybe a year after that, we had sold our house in uh, Lakewood. We moved to a rental in uh, Garden Grove. 
And my son began to zone out, kind of. You're like, because he was eight? Well, yes, he was eight. But he would zone out and wasn't paying attention. And so we did, like any other parent, like, hey, pay attention. You know, snap at it. Well, it started to get kind of weird the way he'd zone out. And so we went to a neurologist and... uh, Um, He took an EEG, and the test came back negative. Everything's fine. But we were still kind of going like, man, what's going on? And uh, time went on, and we went back uh, because these zone-out things were getting really weird. And he'd smack his lips, and he'd walk like away or somewhere. uh, So I took him to to the neurologist, and uh, Dr. Gurbani was his name. He came out. And uh, he said, this is how it went down. Okay, I'm sitting in the waiting room, and he walks out, and like it was Taco Tuesday, he just said to me, your son has epilepsy. I'm like, "Uh, okay, thanks. I I mean, I don't, okay. And then he said this, this is going to be a long journey. I was like, well, there's medication. I mean, I didn't know anything about epilepsy. Now, I'm an epileptologist, but I didn't know anything at the time. So, uh, you know, I, I knew there was medications, and I had known people maybe off, you know, kind of and, uh, through the whole thing. So we said, okay. And so he prescribed some medication that almost killed him because he was allergic to it. And uh, his seizures began to get worse and worse, and worse, more frequent, more violent, more frequent, more violent, more frequent, more violent. Uh, And so we, as a family, just kind of, we let people know, but we didn't, we just kept it quiet. And the reason we kept it quiet was for the same reason I don't talk about it that much, is because you all have issues that, that you wish you could come up and talk about. I get it. So we, we kept it quiet and the seizures began to get more violent, more violent, and they were nocturnal. And so, um, you hear that? That's somebody chopping up carne. Okay, good. <laughs> My stomach's already growling. So, um, it just started to get to a place where we were just at, at, at our wit's end. And what was worse was a lot of his seizures would happen at Sunday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, I would have to preach after being up, holding him from one of his seizures. And so uh, in 2012, uh, he went to science camp for church, uh, for school, and uh, he couldn't be with all the other kids because it's traumatic to watch someone go through a seizure. Uh, and so, of course, you wouldn't do that. So I went to science camp with him. I, we had our own little section for people with epilepsy, apparently, and uh, so we were there, and sure enough, he has a seizure at science camp. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows anything. We, I, I sit basically all day while they go out and look at science things, and, uh, and then he goes a month without a seizure, and he goes two months without a seizure, and we don't tell, we're not telling anybody, because we know this game, right? We, three months without a seizure, four, five, six, nine months. We finally get to a place where we're like, I think God took away his epilepsy. There was no other reason why he shouldn't be having seizures other than God must have done it. Until Christmas Day, 
2013, he has a seizure. And as your pastor, I will just tell you right now how I handled that was uh, not through a lot of faith, was not through a lot of understanding, was not through quoting Bible verses at myself. It was deep, deep trauma and pain. And so uh, I questioned my faith. I questioned my calling. I questioned everything. And so we go through this whole process and uh, we're just like, oh my gosh. So here we go again and we're going to neurologists and we're going to try to figure out, okay, can he even, is he even a candidate for surgery? And what is it like to open up your kid's head and have his brain exposed so they can cut pieces out of it? Like, what does that even look like? And so we were going through it all. We went on vacation and, uh, we had this really cool Airbnb by a river, and uh, rivers like comes up to your waist. And we're all playing in the river, and there was this one section, kind of a chute, that you'd get on a boogie board and kind of shoot shoot down, and uh, it's all safe. Every, everything's cool. And he normally, if he has a seizure, it's always at night, um, like 99.99% of the time. He starts to seize. He falls into that chute. And he's gone. I can't see him. I'm on the side. I'm taking pictures of everybody. Typically what I do on vacation. Lisa jumps in after him. And there's a time when both my son and my wife are underwater and I can't see him. And uh, fortunately, she's a lifeguard. And uh, somehow she got him. We pull him onto uh, the shore, and uh, the whole family's crying. It's just very traumatic, as you can imagine. And I didn't handle that very well. And so we're just going through this whole process. I bring this up because right now in the history of our country, where we are, we are in, with social media and all these things, we are in an environment of trauma. Whether you believe what about COVID, what about international affairs, or what, we just went through two years of trauma. Where was God? Further, many of you have your own personal trauma. A person in your home that has an addiction. Maybe a, per, a loved one you lost to COVID. Maybe your family split up because we're so freaking divisive in politics that you, it actually splits your family of whether or not you're getting a vaccine or whether or not you should wear a mask or all this kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you that the enemy loves it. He loves it. He loved my son having a seizure. He loved the thought that I'd question God's goodness. That's who he is. That's the enemy. I want to talk a little bit about someone who went through something similar. Trauma. Wasn't was misunderstood. It's the Apostle Paul. 
who had a really good job. He was a Pharisee, worked his way up. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He knew everything, knew the Bible backwards and forwards. As a matter of fact, he was so famous that um, when he would make a decision or he was in, on one side of an issue, they would put down their coats at his feet because he was so important. And God came and took it all away from him, met him on the road to Damascus and made him blind. And in that particular culture, if you were blind, it wasn't like, I mean, it's hard now if you're blind, obviously, duh. But, but back then, then it was a curse. God was cursing you. He's blind. He goes through all this stuff. And then he begins to plant churches. And, and he, he, this one church in Corinth, if you, ever want, if you ever want to see a dysfunctional church, read 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There was actually a third letter Paul wrote to Corinthians. We just don't have it right now, but he, he references it. And uh, he's totally misunderstood. And they start talking about these super apostles. And Paul's trying to defend himself. But he can't really defend himself because what has happened in his life, God has not allowed him to share. It's just been all in the background. He has this vision. 14 years before he writes what we're about to read. God takes him to the third heaven. Okay, whatever that is. So in, in antiquity, there was the first heaven. That's the, the, our atmosphere. The second heaven is the stars. The third heaven is paradise. And that's, where, that's, where, that's heaven. That's where we're going to be. God takes him there. He says, I saw some things I w I'm not even allowed to utter. Right? And this church is going, oh man, if only you were like one of the super apostles. And Paul's going, Paul, like, mate, took all this time to work so he wasn't burdening the church and all this kind of stuff. And they had labels for Paul. He didn't speak right. He didn't look right. He didn't act right. He's kind of abrasive, kind of all these things. But what they didn't know is that something was happening to him outside of what they knew. Now, I'm not talking about this in my context. What I'm talking about is all of us, every single one of us, in the coming months, will have to figure out a way to deal with our trauma. And I'm here to tell you, and I hope you hear me by the end of this half an hour that I'm going to talk, Jesus is the answer to your trauma. Jesus. Jesus. Nothing else. Brain surgery for my son was relatively successful. He had a seizure a couple years ago. Oh, it was pre-COVID, pre so two, over two years ago in college. Fell out of his bed. There's blood everywhere. He came out of his room. and his, his, I, mean, I can laugh about it now, but his roommate thought he was going to a Halloween party. He was covered in so much blood. They had to remove all of his uh, carpeting from his room and put in new carpeting. I drove six. I found out about the seizure. I got in my car and I had six hours of hell trying to get to Phoenix. You know who pulled me out of that? Jesus. Jesus did. So we meet Paul uh, right now. 
He has this vision, but he can't tell everybody about it. But he's trying to explain to this church um, that, that you should listen to Paul not because of the visions, not because of what, where they land on a particular topic. You listen to the Apostle Paul because of what he says and what he does and the relationship he has with his Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And so he says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, in other words, not conceited in the sense of, of look at me, but like in order to keep me from just using this one thing, this vision that he had to show, see, you should listen to me because I had a vision. It, that's not the way Jesus works. In order that he, he gave me, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. You say, what kind of God takes one of his apostles and gives him a thorn in his flesh, trauma, beatings, sickness, all these things? What kind of God does that? Watch what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I was joking with Lisa the other day, and I said, you know what's interesting about this? If I were writing this verse, it would say, 1,300 times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. And I'll go 1,400. You take the person with the least amount of faith, the babiest Christian in the world, that's me. I kept begging and begging and begging and begging. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're there in your marriage. Maybe you're there. Maybe you have an adult child who's just breaking your heart because of the decisions that they're making. Maybe you have a loved one that you're caring for and you are on your knees praying for, self, praying for healing, praying for healing, praying for healing. I pray for healing God heals. He does heal. But sometimes he doesn't heal because he's sovereign and he knows. And I want to talk to the person right now who says, I don't know if I can take another step. Jesus has a word for you this morning. It was the word he had for me. It was the word he has for the apostle Paul. And whatever you're going through, and maybe you lost your job because of COVID, and maybe all the things we talk about, like, oh, you can do stay-at-home learning. And you're like, yeah, except we can't afford an iPad and we don't have internet. And you're like, I don't know if my kid's going to be able to catch up. You're like, why is that happening? This difficulty and trauma. Maybe you're in a marginalized part of our society, whether it be the color of your skin or how much money you make or your education or whatever it is. And you have people calling you names and we love calling each other names and stereotyping each other. And you're in the midst of that. Jesus has the same thing to say to you as he did to me, as he did to the apostle Paul, as he does for everybody. And it is this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's hard to understand, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't seem fair. But his grace is sufficient for you. And then he goes on, he makes it even one step harder. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I wish, I wish so badly I could stand here and tell you that 
you're not going to have to go through difficulty. I wish I could tell you that it's all rainbows and skittles and you come to Jesus and your life gets better. Your life does get better when you come to Jesus. Because you, you, you're allowing his grace to work. His, but it doesn't mean you're going to not go through difficulty. Sometimes our difficulty is based on someone else's decision that has nothing to do. You might get a pink slip at work. You had nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, the people who run your company are idiots. And you get a pink slip. And you could probably do your boss's job better. Jesus has a word for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says this. Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul. We'll look at all the things he's gone through in a little bit. It covers most of our stuff. Okay? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'll boast. I don't, God, I don't know. What's happening right now? I'm very angry. I don't know why you're not moving. I can't see the bigger picture. I think you're making a big mistake. He can handle all that language. He can handle all of it. He's a big God. And because he loves you and I, he can sit and say, just trust me. I know what you're going through is difficult. I hung on a cross for it. I get it. Like Paul, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane three times. I don't know what it is about three times. It should be 1,400 times. It's three times. He says, God, Heavenly Father, if it be your will, would you please let this cup pass? And some of you, I know you're in it right now. And you, you, you wonder, why is this person flourishing and I'm not? Why? Why? I raised my kids perfectly. Their, they, their family's completely out of control. Their kid became a doctor. My kid, I don't even know where he is. It's on the street somewhere. And you think that is an arbitrary example? I'm thinking of three families right now in my mind. They don't know where their kids are. I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. says, God, use this moment to shape me, to refine me, to strengthen me. So that Christ's power may rest on me. This Greek word rest means to set up camp. He goes into surgery and uh, we, uh, you know, obviously took the weekend off of church and all that and I remember sitting in, the, we were at UCLA Medical Center, and we're sitting in these, uh, on these benches, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if Jesus is going to heal him through surgery. You know where Jesus was that whole time? He was camped next to me. He had set up camp next to me. I couldn't see him, because he's invisible, <laughs> but that's where he was. You know where Jesus is as you're going through that loved one that's addicted? He set up camp next to you. You know, we have that pregnancy that was unwanted, and you say, I'm going to hold on to this baby. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how we're going to afford it. I don't know how. You know where he is? He's camped right next to you. His power is resting. His power is okay. 
We're going to get through this together. Either here or on the other side of eternity. His power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I, it's always funny when I read this part because we use that term like not the right way, right? So when you read it, it's like, well, I don't know if I should say that. You, know, you can, it's in the Bible, just use it appropriately, okay? That is why, for Christ's sake, listen to what he says. I delight in weaknesses. What? What? I delight in weaknesses. I delight when I'm off balance. I delight when I'm not in control. That's where Paul got to. I delight in weaknesses. Oh, it gets worse in insults. Oh my gosh. Our country, I mean, no offense, Americans, we cannot handle even one insult. Oh my goodness. Oh, the whole world falls down. Paul says, I delight in those things. Bring them on. What do you want to call me? Yeah, you want to call me a social justice warrior? You want me to call me an anti-vaxxer? Pick, which I'm trying to pick both sides because, you know, you, we have labels for each one of us, right? We got all that. Bring it on, Paul says. In hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, here's what he says. Here's his conclusion. Here's my conclusion. Here's what I've learned through this process. When I'm weak, somehow, I don't know how, the power of Christ rests on me. It sets up camp with me. We go through how difficult it is. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I just plod through it, day after day, after seizure, after seizure, after addiction, after heartache, after loss, after trauma. When I'm weak. Because here's what I've noticed about myself. When I'm strong and it's myself, it's all working out. I got the Christmas bonus. I can buy my kid the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Everything's great. Everything's all working out for me. I'm actually at my weakest. I'm so fragile when it's all working out for me. Why? Because my faith is in it all working out for me. When my faith is not in that, when it's not working out for me, when there are things that aren't working out the way I expect them to, oh, it just exposes my fragility, doesn't it? Paul says the opposite. Here's what he's, the culmination of what he's saying. We're, that, that's chapter 12 that we're in right now. But all the way back and read your Bibles, guys. You read your, don't count on me, okay? Just read your Bibles. You can start with First or Second Corinthians and go, wow, Living Spring is really healthy. We are, okay? I'm not going to brag. I mean, I am going to brag, okay? Compared to First and Second Corinthians, though, okay? All right, now. So read it. But here's what he says earlier. And this is, the, this is the concept that he has for all of us. But we have this treasure. In other words, this relationship with Jesus, this access to the Holy Spirit, this ability to understand the Word of God and to apply it to our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. We have these things. But the problem is they're in jars of clay. That's the problem. We're in jars of clay. We're fragile. To show 
that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Because I, it gives me the opportunity to rely on the power of God and not on men. I, I, I'm telling you, just, just as a side note, and those of you who are nurses know what I'm talking about. The medical community is not going to solve all your medical problems. A lot of times they don't know what they're talking about. Again, they're trying the best they can. But when a doctor looks you in the eye and says, you say the medication isn't working, and they say, well, why don't you change it the way you see fit? You go, wait a second. And then you realize, oh, they're just doing the best. They're just men and women doing the best they can. They have this treasure in jars of clay. They're not going to save my son. They're going to do the best they can with the information they have. We have this treasure. It's from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We're in trauma. We're in difficulty. And it's real. And I'm telling you this, the answer is Jesus. The answer is humility, getting on your knees, going before him, saying, God, the life I'm leading right now is not working for me. I need to make you king. And he says, okay, but you're going to have to go through some things because I, I need you to be stronger than you are. And you say, okay, I'm ready to release control. This jar of clay. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. It is in the Bible. There is no place in the Bible, not one place, that says you're going to get through life without difficulty. And if that's a theology you're attracted to or you want to go towards, you're going to end up at the end of the day, questioning your heavenly father. This is the issue. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Here's my point. I brought this same point up in a sermon two years ago. It still applies now. It's applied for all eternity. Lord, teach me to embrace it before you erase it. That is a very hard prayer. A prayer that mostly I say is, God, erase it. Amen. God, if that person just happens to somehow get hit by a plane, then your will be done. We never pray, Lord, I pray my boss would get uh, that idiot would get promoted so that he could have a bigger impact on the company, right? We don't pray that. But imagine what your faith would be like. Imagine what your relationship with Jesus would be like. If we say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it. I don't understand my crazy pastor. I don't understand this crazy church, whatever. But would you just teach me to embrace it? 
before you erase it. I want you to erase it. Paul prayed for those things. Three times he went to the Lord. Get rid of it. Take care of it. I'm going to end with this as the worship band comes up. It's one of my favorite verses. I've tried to apply it to my life as best I can through all the difficulty. And it's this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. They just aren't. They just aren't. And your ways, they're not his ways. We come up with all these, we're going to solve these different problems, whatever they are, and the Lord just looks and says, good luck, good luck. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. When I pray for Ukraine, I pray for the people of Ukraine who are going through. There's people right now whose businesses are being bombed. They don't care about masks and vaccines and all these things we're all upset about. They, they're huddled in a basement with their kids going, help. So I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would experience somehow through this horrific thing, the peace of Christ. That somehow they would get to a place where they just say, I don't know what to do. And Jesus comes. My ways aren't your ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, <laughs> so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so, I want to end with this. Whatever you're going through, I could open up a microphone right now and I, I know I can look out here and I know most of you online. I can look out and I know your stories and every single one of you can stand up here and share a similar story that I shared about my son. And many of you would come to the same conclusion. You say, I don't know how we're handling it right now. It's really hard. Nothing's changed but... The Lord is somehow giving me strength through this. My hope for anyone who's hearing my voice that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus is that you would come to that same conclusion, that you'd give your life over to him, that you wouldn't try to be in control and medicate your way out of your pain, drink your way out of your pain, smoke your way out of your pain, watch your way out of your pain but that you would say, Lord, just teach me to embrace it before you erase it. Camp here, rest here, because I'm stuck here. Lord God, we don't have the answers to the issues that are coming down the path. We're scared, we're confused. We look to our leaders who don't seem to know what's going on or how to solve it because they're broken. They've been broken for decades and decades and decades because we're all broken. God, would you move your spirit not only across this country, but across the entire planet that we would know that there is a Savior, a Messiah, who came to redeem, to restore, Lord, would you rest with us? Would you camp with us as we go through these things that seem to have no end in sight? We trust you. We pray. 
that whatever we're going through, Lord, you would use it so that we would become strong to help those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I want to end with just one thing. Uh, I've been going back and forth all week about this. I'll try and say it in a way that is... Uh, before you post on social media or click like on social media or participate in all the name-calling that's going on right now, before you do that, go before your Heavenly Father. And ask him. Just ask him. Do you want me participating? Christian, I'm talking to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, do whatever you want. You're off the hook. <laughs> Christian, you have no business. You have no business operating in fear. You have no business. People are going through much worse than we're going through. They're finding their comfort and their peace in the name of Jesus and turning their own lives. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in His peace. Go in His strength. Go in His joy. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a great week and have some great tacos. I'll see you in 10 minutes.